Hello, everybody. Welcome to Crime World Podcast. My name is Anne, and I'm your host for today. And let's get down to the crime. Today's story is the story of a young man called Bryce Lespicia. Bryce Lespicia was born on April 30th, 1994, to his parents, Karen and Michael Lespicia. He was born in Illinois and graduated from Naperville High School in the year 2012. Following his graduation, him and his parents moved to Laguna Niguel after his parents retired. I actually couldn't find anywhere in my research why they moved there besides his retirement, but a lot of people inferred it was because Bryce was moving to college there and they wanted to be closer to him. But, however, he actually attended college almost seven hours away from where his parents moved, which throws out the whole theory of them moving there to be closer to their son. It's closer than Illinois, but still pretty far. I'm actually not thinking too hard about this because I'm in college myself and I knew at some point that I wanted to be as far away as my parents as possible. A lot of college students or soon-to-be college feel that way. He attended Sierra College in Rockland, California. At Sierra College, he studied graphic and industrial design, and to everyone else in the world, and everyone else in his family, Bryce Lespicia had a wonderful future ahead of him. Bryce lived with his roommate named Sean Dixon, and his girlfriend, Kim Sly, lived a couple hours away from their flat. What is important to realize is that in all accounts, Bryce told a bunch of his friends and a bunch of his family members that he was super excited to go to college, which is how I would feel going back. Staying home with your parents all the time isn't great, and finally going heading back to college is something a person or a student is always looking forward to. According to his friends, Bryce started acting strange, a lot different than his actual self. So strange, a friend of Bryce called his mom to tell her something was wrong with Bryce. I don't know about you, but a college student, sometimes they act wild and crazy, but I myself as a college student would not contact a parent unless I truly felt something was wrong. On Monday, August 26, 2013, Bryce attended his classes at Sierra College like normal. And according to his mom, she spoke to him that very day and they had what the mom described as a good normal conversation. Like a true normal college kid, his friend said that he was up playing video games all night and unfortunately started taking ADHD pills in order for him to stay awake. On August 27th, just a day after that conversation with his mom, Bryce's behavior continued to get weirder and weirder according to his friends. He started drinking very hard stuff including hard liquor and taking, like I said, the ADHD pills. He had been drinking at a large amount for a really long time and would consume a bottle by himself every weekend. Now, the thing that is important to understand and to realize is that right before his disappearance, um, he gave away an Xbox and a pair of diamond earrings. This is extremely important because a lot of people thought that this signified that he was planning to leave all along or he, he didn't just disappear. He had plans on dropping everything behind and leaving. So a lot of people speculate that that's, that was his plan all along. On August 28, 2013, Bryce went to his girlfriend's home, which is two hours away from his own apartment. He then followed up and called his mom. When he was on the phone with his mom, him and Kim, his girlfriend, was having an argument. 
According to Bryce, they had broken up the day before and Kim was very upset about it. He went to Kim's house in order to talk about it. And in the midst of talking about it, she grabs his keys and tells him he's not allowed to leave. According to investigation discovery, he told his parents that after breaking up with his girlfriend, she got so upset, took the keys away from him, and all he wanted to do was leave the house. Kim, however, felt a different way about this situation. She said that she was scared and afraid and he shouldn't drive the way that he was feeling. And his mom actually suggested that she should fly up there and talk to him because everything that was going on. Bryce told her, no, please don't make a reservation until I talk to you. I'm fine. I have a lot to talk to you about, but please don't take a flight down here. I'll be okay. So the mom says, okay. And she talks to Kim and tells Kim, hey, I know my son. He sounds pretty normal. He doesn't sound intoxicated at all. You can give him back his keys. He's going to be going back to his apartment. But this is where things continue to get weirder. Bryce left at 11.30 p.m. and told his parents that he was driving home, which was almost seven hours away. Around 1 a.m. that night on August 29th, Karen got a call from Bryce that she wasn't able to answer. The following morning, still on August 29th, his parents received a call from their auto insurance company notifying them that Bryce's car needed roadside assistance. Karen had assumed that the call from 1 a.m. in the morning was that he was back in his apartment. So she calls his roommate, Sean, and Sean tells her something scary, that he never, ever made it home the night before. His parents were getting worried and checked his credit card statements, and there was a charge from Buttonwillow, California, which was a few hours from their home in Miguel Laguna. They went ahead and assumed Bryce was heading back to them now. There was another charge as well on his credit card, a shop titled Castro Tire and Gas. Now, this is an interesting part of the story only because the person in this story is such a wonderful soul and we need more people like him. Bryce's dad, Michael, goes and calls the shop. He looks up the name of the shop on Google, calls him and talks to the guy named Christian, who happens to be the same guy that took care of Bryce. He told him, yeah, I saw your son. He needed gas. I brought him some gas. And, of course, there was a $20 charge in his credit card from that shop, which was in Buttonwillow, three hours from where their home was, and Nigel and Laguna Nigel. They tried contacting Bryce at the same time, but he did not answer. Christian's like, don't worry about it. Hey, I'm still in the shop right now. I'm going to go ahead and go to the rest stop and see he's still there. He goes out and leaves, and, of course, Bryce is still there in his car. And he tells Karen and Michael, yeah, he's here. I can pass um, the phone to him if you want. And she's like, yeah, we would like to speak to him. He also notes that Bryce's eyes looked red and he looked a little tired. Karen talks to Bryce through Christian's phone and asks him, what are you doing? And to that, Bryce's answer is nothing. Now, let's follow the story through a time frame. At 12.30, Bryce is at the tire and gas shop, which is only three hours away from their home, which, according to the calculations, he should be back home around 3 p.m. At 3 p.m., when Bryce is not home, his parents worry and begin to call him, as expected. 3 p.m. turns to 6 p.m., and 6 p.m. turns to 9, and still no communication with Bryce Lasvisha. 
His parents were so worried that they went ahead and tracked down his phone. The tracking led them to find that in those nine hours, Bryce Laspecia only moved eight miles. Eight miles from where he was at 12.30, he was still in the same place. At 9 p.m., Bryce's parents get the help of California Highway Patrol officers. With their help, they actually found Bryce and searched his vehicle for drugs and alcohol, and nothing was found. The officers spent 20 minutes with him and performed a sobriety test, which he passed, flying colors. The police officers tell him that he needs to call his parents. Hey, like, son, your parents are worried. You need to go ahead and call them. He actually hesitates, which the officer points out. He hesitates, and after a couple of times of them going back and forth, he agrees and goes ahead and calls his mom. At 10 p.m., Karen gets a call from Bryce, and once again, she asks him, what are you doing? To which he responds, I'm going to hang out with friends later. The call ends at 11 p.m., and credit cards shows him buying a drink at a gas station, still in the same position at Button Willow, California. Karen calls him, and Bryce tells her he's still on I-5 South, but that's it. Nothing else. At some point during the night, his parents decided to contact, once again, roadside assistance. Bryce, once again, was found in the same area. According to this, he was in Button Willow for over 13 hours. His parents tell the roadside assistants to please follow Bryce into the interstate, just so that they can make sure that he was heading in the right direction, the right direction of his home. Bryce was to be home, according to his GPS, at 3.25 a.m. In the meantime, it's important for us to backtrack. Karen calls Bryce around 1.50 a.m. and Bryce tells her, I just got off the I-5 and he's in a suburban area, basically. He also tells her that, hey, I'm a little tired. I'm going to sleep in my car. At this point, he's been away for more than enough time. And a lot of people speculate that he's been awake and has been able to stay awake due to his ADHD pills that he was taking. And Karen didn't know about his habits, but she went ahead and told him, yeah, you've been up for so long. You should go ahead, pull over to the side of the road and get some sleep. You can wake up when, when you wake up in the morning, you can go ahead and drive home. However, Bryce didn't pull over to get some sleep, as Karen suggested. Instead, he continued to drive 90 minutes away to Castaic Lake. A camera looked near that lake, caught his car going up the road at 2.15 a.m., which was only a couple minutes after he got off the phone with his mom. But then again, the same car returned to that hill around 4.29 a.m. At 8 a.m. the next day, officers went to Karen and Michael's home in Laguna Niguel. Bryce's car was found overturned, wrecked near the lake, which was two hours away from his parents' house. The car went down this huge hill, flipped over, and was on his side. Although the time of the care is not 100% known, it is estimated to have occurred between the hours of 4.30 a.m. and 5.15 a.m. In his car, they found a laptop, a cell phone, a wallet, but no Bryce. A duffel was also found, unzipped. The track pattern of his car indicated that he definitely sped up 
and there was no efforts to use the brakes, which led his car to flip over and land the way it landed. The lead detective of the case believed that he was trying to take his own life and didn't succeed. When he didn't succeed, he used the back window of the car to escape, grabbed some things from his duffel, which is why the duffel was open, and left. The family hired a private investigator, Shannon Toulouse. This investigator also believed that he had the opportunity to leave the scene. Search dogs were used to track his scent, but his scent stopped at a truck stop near the lake. The parents even got the help of psychics, but none of them had been accurate. Either they said he was alive and walked away, and some said he was dead. The family continued to search the area in which the car was found. In 2015, they searched the lake for two days, and still, nothing was found. So what happened to Bryce Lespicia? Bryce is a white male with orange-slash-red hair and blue eyes. He has a tattoo of a Taurus bullhead, and his birthday is April 30th, and Roman numerals, he had written them on his upper left arm. What do you think happened to Bryce Lespicia? Was it the drugs that he was taking that affected him during this time? Or did he decide to get up and walk away from his life? Was that his plan this whole entire time? Let us know on social media. The Lespicia family ask anyone who thinks they have seen Bryce to take a photo and send it over to findbrycelespicia at gmail.com. That's fine, B-R-Y-C-E-L-A-S-P-I-S-A at gmail.com. There is a 5,000 reward for information that leads to Bryce's whereabouts. There is a tip line at 949-292-4400. The LA County Sheriff can also be reached in regards to Bryce's case at 323-890-5500. And with that is the end of our first episode of Crime World True Crime Podcast. My name is Anne and I was your host and I'll see you guys in episode two of Crime World True Crime Podcast.